I'm Marta McDonald. And I'm Sophia Fabili. Welcome back to another season of the Playhouse Podcast. Whether you've been coming to the Playhouse for 30 years or it's your first time, this podcast is a way for us to invite you into the playmaking process. Whether it's acting, directing, design, or life behind the scenes, this podcast gives your ears a front row seat. <laughs> Welcome back to the Playhouse Podcast. We are so delighted to be coming to you from beautiful, sunny Gananoque as the theater is abuzz, getting ready for the opening night of Back in 59, which is pretty triumphant, I'd say. Yeah. We have a musical coming back after being away for so long. So we're so excited to be talking to today, Stephanie Graham, who mm-hmm. is the director and choreographer of Back in 59. Yes, Stephanie Graham is an accomplished director and choreographer who wowed our audiences with the 2019 smash hit Anne of Green Gables and is back again to get your toes tapping with Back in 59. Stephanie has worked at stages across the country, including the Globe Theatre, Musical Stage Company, The Grand in London, Neptune, and Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre. Stephanie is producing a symposium for writers, composers, directors, choreographers, and dancers called Theatre's Theatre Making Movement. She will also soon be directing and choreographing a brand new musical with the Canadian College of Performing Arts called Quest. She's just a little bit busy. Yeah, she's just, just a, a slightly bit. talented, a little bit busy. Tiny bit, yeah. <laughs> she's super busy, and so we're so glad to snake some time. Uh, we stole her out of rehearsal, and let's listen to that conversation. Yeah, here we go. Stephanie Graham! Hello! Hello! Hi, Sophia! Hi, Marta! Hi! Welcome to the Playhouse Podcast. Thanks so much for being our guest. <laughs> oh, happy to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to be able to talk to you about Back in 59. Feels like it's been a long time coming. Yes, it has. <laughs> um, so um, first off, I wanted to to, uh, to say you did such an incredible job on Anne Green Gables, and I think it's probably lesser known that you are a director and choreographer. You Most of the time you do both positions. Well, at least here you do. And for this show, it's the same thing. You are the director and choreographer. So um, I wanted to ask, when you're directing um, and choreographing, do you wear two hats? Do you separate those brains? Do you like, this is choreographer afternoon Steph and this is director Stephanie in the daytime? You know what I mean? Like, Oh, that's a great question. Um, sometimes depending on, um, what you're working on that day or that hour. Um, but what I never have the director hat off when I'm a choreographer, because I believe like choreographers are directing dance and telling story through dance anyway. So you, as a choreographer, you have a director's eye because you're continuing the narrative. So I don't think I ever actually take that hat off. <laughs> and then tell us a little bit about your experience. Like, I, I believe from the last time I spoke to you about this, that you were a choreographer first and then transitioned into directing. Is that right? Can you tell that us? That is correct. Yeah. About uh, you there? Yeah, my first language in the arts was dance, of course, and then as a performer, I was an actor and a dancer, sort of primarily, as well as a singer, and then when I wanted to start transitioning to be on the other side of the table, I, it was a natural transition, obviously, to move into choreography first. Yeah, I feel like, for especially for a show like this that has so much music and so much of it is told through song, like, there is such a cohesiveness when you have one brain that's that's designing how the the emotion and the movement work absolutely and and originally when we choreographed this or sorry originally um uh created this show 
Tom who Curry, who wrote the show and directed it originally, um, he actually put all the medleys together and we didn't actually have a script right away. So we started with um, all the medleys and just choreographing the medleys. And then because he was creating it, the script showed up later, <laughs> which was, of course, a very crazy process. But it was awesome because sort of we got to sort of set the tone of what the show was going to be. And then the story kind of came out of where the relationships of the original actors were forming in rehearsal. And then uh, it all kind of got just put together then. So, yeah. So for a bit of context for the listeners, Stephanie, you were the original choreographer when this production was developed. And then how many times have you done it? Have you done it at every iteration? Yes, I have. The first production was at the Showboat Festival Theater down in Port Coburn in 2011. And then the show was done I think six or seven times since and I've been on every production well there was one production I was off doing another show so I had an associate set my choreography and then I came in just during tech that was in the 2013 version um so that was yeah that was it was nice because I just let an associate do it and came in and then got to fix and have fun with it at the end with everybody that's awesome. And I think what's so like special about this show too for our listeners is that this is a musical that's actually been it is re- you know a review so they're, we're using all of these favorite hits from from the 50s and 60s. Um but it has been created originally written and put together and produced in Canada which is really special. So can you speak to I mean the show has obviously been a huge success and has been you know, when we first announced doing it back in the olden days before <laughs> the pandemic, that, you know, people were calling and saying, I want to see you back in 59. So can you tell us like what the experience has been like working on such a such a popular and successful show like this one? Well, these songs are astonishing. And I don't know if you can hear them in the background or not. They're rehearsing um, a medley that is some of the most incredible songs by the Shirelles and the Chiffons, the um, these amazing groups from, and the songs are from 59 to 64. And there's about 50 songs in the show and it, they're all in mashups and medleys. And, um, and it was just, it was so special because this music gives us nostalgia of that time period, but also it's, they're just great pop songs and doo-wop and R&B and they're, and rock and roll. They're, they're, and the, the music of that time, it was pushing the envelope so much it, it, I mean, it's so hard for us to imagine because we have access to all the music in the world right now. Um, but at that time, this was a very different sound and they were marketing to the teenagers. So all of a sudden the power shift to uh, a teenage consumer that was hungry for these hits. They were, you know, waiting for that next number one hit to go and get that 45 from the record store and radio stations pushing these these songs and people having to call in like it was just such a different time for music and a different sound that we hadn't heard before so when you did the first version of this show and tom had all the songs together and everything was there any songs you didn't know or were you familiar with all of them I was familiar with most of them because my mom was in high school in this exact time. So even though uh, we had a lot of John Denver and ABBA in the 70s growing and 80s growing up in my house, but my mom, this music to her is just, she just loves all of them. So if, you know, Rock and Robin comes on the radio, she can't help but move. And I think that's true for all of us. There's something about our high school music that stays with us always, no matter when we are, it brings us back to that time, the minute we hear those songs and sort of, you know, a time period in all our lives that feels less complicated. 
Um, so I think there's something special about whatever music you relate to when you're in high school. Yeah. I know my parents will say like, they can't remember like where they left their glasses, but they can remember all the words to the song they learned in the fifties. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like reflex that you just like remember those things because they yeah. meant so much to you. And there's like a coming of age element, which I think you just articulated is so beautifully stuff that I've never really thought of before. But yeah, something about coming to age in a time where you're starting to understand who you are and in a time in life where things probably felt very intense and dramatic at the time. But looking back, it was pretty, pretty more of a simple time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh. Like, you know, I was in high school in the late 80s, early 90s. And like how I know every word of like a Paula Abdul song or something. Like I'm like, yes. how do I know that? Yeah. Yeah. It's also that our brains were really sharp. I think at age 25, our brains start, stop growing. So I think it's also like <laughs> prime brain age. But actually, I wanted to, because we're talking, oh, first of all, I want to ask, is your, you said your mom can't help but move and rock and roll and come. <sighs> and yeah, she just starts dancing. Is your mom a dancer or just? No, no she's a scientist. Scientist. <laughs> so how, so did she put you in dance classes or did you want that to, and desire that as a kid? Um, I, well, the story goes that I was always walking around on my toes and my mother was actually quite concerned. Like there was something developmentally wrong with my Achilles tendon or something. Yeah. <laughs> so she was like, oh God, there's something wrong. So and then she took me to the doctor and the doctor was like, she's fine. Just put her in dance classes or gymnastics or something, you know, like, wow. That's so interesting. Okay. So do you have a favorite song in the show? That is very hard to choose. You know, I have so many favorites. I love Breaking Up is Hard to Do. That's one of my favorite Neil Sedaka tunes. And then um, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow. That is just, I I love that Carole King, Gary Goffin tune. It's just, it's a beautiful song. And so you've done the show enough. Do you like, do you develop new choreography I mean, obviously it's often, like, I know this is the first time it's been done in the round, right? Where there's audience on, well, there's audience, it's thrust. So there's audience on three sides, but um, do, do you develop new choreography every time and, and like pull things out from versions that you've done where you're like, but that's my favorite moment. I have to keep that in. Like, it's almost like you continue to develop your like soup recipe and you like, you like add different things every time or, or is it always the same? Um, well, the first time we did it, it was actually done in the round. Oh, okay. 360. So every other production since has been proscenium. And then of course now we're in thrust. So it's actually feels nice going kind of looking back at those original notes. Cause I still have my binder from 2011 and you know, all the reiterations of extra pages for the different versions. Um, but it feels nice to go back to those notes and look at the round notes and keep some stuff and then shift some stuff for thrust. And as far as the steps go, I've kept a lot of the same because they worked and, or, or they've shifted over the years. So those shifts have stayed, but um, no, there's like, there's a couple new things, I think in this one. I think so. Yeah. Nice. And there's two cast members that have done the show and two that haven't. Yes. Justine Lewis and Andrew Hodwitz did the production three years ago at Magnus theater in uh, Thunder Bay when Tom directed it again. It was, I think, one of his first times back directing it. No, that's not true. He did the first couple of years and then took a big break, but it was nice for him to revisit it three years ago. And then of course he was supposed to come and do it in 2020. And um, 
and then have a co we were supposed to have a co-pro with Magnus. So it the set was gonna come from that, that Magnus production. So Justine and Andrew have done the show, and then Julia and Jeremy are new to the show. So it is it is a bit nice to have two that have it's sort of like it's, they're recalling it or like, oh yeah, I remember that. But again, it's different for them because they're working in thrust versus proscenium. And just to, I'll just give a quick little definition moment brought to you by Sophia Fabili, just in case, because we're, we're just, we're talking shop here, but just for the listener who's like, what are they talking about? What does a thrust mean? That means something very specific. Anyway, it is actually a stage setup. So if you think of the Springer Theater, that's a proscenium, the stage picture, you know, there's a classic theater kind of setup that you imagine, but in the fire hall, it, we're doing a thrust setup, which means the audience are on three sides. And we're, we can also, because of the fire hall, very flexible space, we can also do it in the round, which means audience on all four sides. So when you come to see Back in 59, you can just remember that Steph has choreographed the show in all those configurations, which I'm sure you can imagine <laughs> requires a lot of refiguring. <laughs> it's totally. not easy to change, uh, to change on, yeah, to change those elements. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to ask because, okay, because I think it's going to be really interesting for our audiences to come see this show and then compare it in their minds to Anne because it's just so entirely different. And so I'm wondering, like, the movement from that era is also so specific. Can you can you walk us through, like, I'm sure some of it was already in your vocabulary just because you're such an accomplished artist, but did you go back and, like, how did you, did you watch videos? Did you, how did you do that? I know that you're a great researcher, so how did you get the research to get the movement from that era? Well, thankfully, TV had started, you know, the TV had been invented and all these dance shows, American Bandstand. So there is an Ed Sullivan show. There's so many great clips on YouTube. Thank goodness, uh, capturing these performances of these original artists. And so I watched a ton of footage and then sort of tried to capture some of those iconic steps, but also we forget that all those um, fad dances. So we, like, you'll see the twist, you'll see the Watusi, you'll see the Hucklebuck, you'll see the Roach, like all these awesome fad dances of the time that came out. And of course there was a song that went with them all. And, um, but you'll see that vocabulary through the show. Oh, the Madison, of course, as well. And, um, but again, I just really tried to take inspiration from those original artists and then create something else. But also our actors or our characters in the show were in their own sort of doo-wop group. So also I tried to shift it to be like, what was this high school group creating for themselves? Because they would have done their, created their own choreography. So that has an element to it as well that they thought this move was really cool and that's what they wanted to put in. Right. Yeah. Nice. Maybe we can get you to do, because we have this beautiful outdoor lobby right now, maybe we can get Steph to do a little uh, dance uh, workshop for all of our <laughs> audience members. If you can have a little dance marathon in the parking lot. That I mean, be- maybe it'll oh be... Oh my gosh, different. we can have... We can have jive lessons. I, yeah, well, I feel like it'll be an exchanging of skills, because I think some of our audience members probably were in high school during this time period, and we'll be able to come in and be like, um, actually, that's not how you hold your hands. <laughs> that's not how we did well, it. Sure. Well, we, we all go to weddings and like, you know, that generation dance is part of and part of their vocabulary and partner dancing is part of their vocabulary. And the younger generations, we don't know how to partner. That wasn't we're all solo dancers on the dance floor. I mean, I love watching um, generations above me on a, a wedding dance floor. It's awesome because right. they, just, they understand the lead follow um, partnership. My dad made me learn how to do that and also taught me how to twist when I was. Yes. <laughs> um, so do you have like a, like a, like a moment in the show 
I know it's always such a funny question because I feel like the whole show is built for you to want audiences to like look for it and enjoy it. But is there like a moment in the show that you like if someone's listening to the podcast right now who's about to watch the show either live or on live stream um, that you're like watch for this or like something that you guys have been working on that you're really proud of or that you or that you worked really hard on or whatever. No, I think there's so like every single medley or every solo has something that's just such a special and they're all such great actors and singers and dancers the four cast members they all have a moment to shine and um I don't know I can't I can't pick I feel like I've heard the cast saying like oh I just gotta like get these harmonies in my brain so there must be some beautiful harmony stuff going on yeah Steve Thomas who's our musical director did the original arrangements so sort of again Tom kind of spliced all the the um uh, original recordings together said sit like Steve this is what I think it should be and then Steve of course went away and wrote harmonies because we only have a cast of four and of course some of the original songs have much more than four people singing harmonies or no harmonies um, so he wrote all the harmonies and all the arrangements for the whole piece and um, yeah so they sing backup in almost every song as well as singing lead they trade trade leads so there's a lot of music and how they keep straight in their head shooby dooby or did you run or like Ramalama, whatever, you know, like yeah, whatever they're literally so yeah. hilarious backup and, uh, you know, novelty song lyrics there are to learn. They have a lot of lyrics to learn. That's incredible. Um, can you tell us, like, just because we always love to kind of give people the behind the scenes scoop, because I think it's so interesting for, you know, the muggles, the normal <laughs> people who walk in the world to know how quickly the artists work that we worked six that we can hear some of the audio really nicely. I hope that people can you hear them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steph is we pulled her out of rehearsal for this. Um what was I saying? Um what was you, I saying? The, the normal people, what do we want to oh, know? Oh the normal people. How long? How long the rehearsal process? How long the rehearsal process yeah. is so they have fifty songs to learn. Some of them are singing solo, some of them singing backup. How many days of rehearsal have we actually have before opening? For this process, we have 12 days. Um, and then we go into technical rehearsals for two days, I think, three days. And then we're on stage for a preview. So it's very fast. It's a lot of work. And um, our cast is actually living together right now. We, of course, for COVID reasons, we've bubbled them together. So um, I saw a photo on Instagram last night. They were down in the basement <laughs> reviewing away. So I guess that's one positive of them having to live all together, that they're getting a lot more review time. And that basement has very good acoustics, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is part of our COVID policy to keep everybody safe, that they everyone gets tested, COVID tested before they come to town and then live in a social bubble together. But I think it's really, it could be a basis of reality TV show. Absolutely. TIP, Reality TV, absolutely. Uh, rehearsing day and night. Yeah, hanging out, All of them making the art, hanging totally. out again in Aqua. It could be, could be a hit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but when you're working in such like, and I know that you do. I'm already answering the question that I'm about to ask. What a great interviewer I am. I know that you do so much prep ahead of time, Steph. Like Steph is just a pro. She comes in ready to rock. But when you have to work this fast, how do you prep and how do you take care of yourself during such a fast process? Well, that's a good question. And honestly, we've been noticing too, all of our stamina, of course, is not what it was. We're all fading a lot earlier than we would have prior to the pandemic. We're just, you know, we got to be gentle with ourselves and know that, you know, we're kind of rusty, but 
I mean, we're going to be great. We're, we're all we're all feeling better now, even in week two, than we were the first few days. We were all a bit sort of shell shocked. Yeah. Um, but you know, I try and eat healthy, and I try and get lots of sleep. Um, you know, sometimes some days you crave popsicles and chocolate <laughs> to get you through, or that extra cup of coffee or tea. I know they've been drinking lots of coffee, but but um, yeah, just trying to take care of yourself um, as much as you can, so you can be your best. You know, during the rehearsal day. Totally. And I'm just thinking about those actors too. It's such a good point. Like not, not to say that it's not extremely physically demanding to do a straight play. It totally is. But we all know musicals are just a whole other level. Like it's like an Olympic level of um, physical, mental focus, emotional energy, keeping your singing voice like ready to go eight shows a week. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a huge yeah, it's a huge and there's only four of them, so and stuff that they sing back up. So there's no break. Yeah, there's, there's no break. And you know, even when we get to the run of the show, you know, of course they're only singing maybe one or two shows a day, but we're rehearsing, you know, seven out of eight hours. Yeah. So they're singing all day long. And you know, we've been saying like you don't have to go full out all the time because they they it, you know a six day week of singing eight seven hours a day is is a huge huge ask. Totally. Especially after a year and a half of not working at the same frequency as we all were prior, you know, in the olden days, mm-hmm. as I'm calling it now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I think, uh, I think it's about that time where we should do our quick fire round of questions before we send you back into your rehearsal for your last few days before you go into tech. Woo-hoo. Um, so um, we'll ask you, uh, there's five questions and we're just going to ask you them and you just can give us uh, quick answers and it'll just get uh, allow our audiences to get to know you a little better. So um, what is your favorite part of your job? Oh my gosh. I think the people, mm-hmm. honestly, I, I adore our community and I just adore the incredible people we have on stage and off stage. It, every, and I just love the feeling of everybody working towards a common goal of putting a show together it's just it's the best feeling in the world nice. yeah oh, what's the toughest part of your job oh <laughs> um I think what's the toughest part I think leaving home honestly I think that's because so often we don't as artists in Canada especially we have to go other places from where we live to do contracts so we're out in Winnipeg or Halifax and, you know, wherever our home base is, it's, it's not our home. So that's, I think that's one of the hardest things and that we love our jobs so much, but it's, it's a toll. It, it takes a toll from being away from your family or your partner or your dogs or children, whatever. Like it's, it's hard. So I think that's the hardest part. Um, what do you do on your days off? That's not theater related. Ooh, um, groceries, laundry. <laughs> um, no, I try, I try and have a break or like catch up with friends. Um, you know, again, try and make nice meals for myself. Um, read. I, I love, I love reading. So that's kind of obstacles. Yeah. Obstacles. Yes. <laughs> um, if you had a totally different job staff, what would it be? Ooh, I don't know. I, I, it's so funny. The first day of rehearsal, one of the actors just fell to the floor and was like, I have purpose again. Aww. So I don't know. I feel like, I, I feel like this is my purpose. I mean, I, I do a lot of teaching. I love that in the arts. Um, but you know, I'm, I was going to go to, um, Queens or to Dalhousie for science originally, if I hadn't gone to theater school, so I don't know, maybe I would be a marine biologist. I love, everything about the ocean so that's a good one a lot more whale watching yeah and your last question what do you love about Gananoque oh Gananoque oh there's so many amazing 
little restaurants or shops, um, splits, ice cream. So good. Um, yeah. And I, I love being near the water. Being near the water is like life giving to me. So I just, I, I've ridden my bike down or even at the end of the day of rehearsal, I'll just do like an extra tour before I go home to just see the water and just take a few minutes to breathe it in. I think being near the water is so special about Gananoque. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, Gananoque is very lucky to have you back in town. Steph. It's so great to work with you again. Audiences went pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Loved and I was trying to think of some sort of pun with ice cream, but now we're on to popsicles. <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> Anyways, um, it's just wonderful to have you back. And thanks so much for uh, giving us some of your rehearsal time today to chat. Of course. They gave them time to review some music. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all those harmonies. All yeah. right. Awesome. Steph, thank you. I love talking to Stephanie Graham. I talk to her all day. And it also really got me thinking about like what dance moves will we be doing when we're like 80 at a wedding? Like, will we be doing the floss floss. at someone's wedding in the near future? It's like everybody doing Soldier Boy. Oh my gosh. Or the Macarena, (laughs) the chicken dance. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so great to talk to her. And it's so interesting to hear her talk about being both director and choreographer. And she's amazing. um, Yeah. It's just miraculous. And it's going to be so fun to see. But unfortunately, if you're listening to this and you don't already have a ticket, you're out of luck unless you're on the wait list and then maybe miracles happen but um we are sold out for the run as i'm sure a lot of you who are listening to this know but we do always have live stream options we've got that live stream option you can buy a ticket and watch it at home and also just to shout it out that we are putting a lot of uh, elbow grease into making the live stream Mm -hmm. really great by no means is it the same as live theater but we are Give it a go. Yeah. Give it a go, I'd say. I mean, I'm also very biased because I'm working on the live stream, but give it a go because if you can't be there with us, we'd love for you to watch from the comfort and safety of home. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, here we are. Another podcast in the can, Marta. In the can. Big thanks to TIP's head carpenter, Mark Hunt, for composing the music for this podcast. This podcast is produced by Maya Fem Gananakwe. Many thanks to Terry Lynn for all her help. We're recording today on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabek Nation and the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.